0: Is this a spiritual podcast? (laughs) Sure is. You're listening to Wild and Holy Radio, the realest conversation on spirituality, finding your truth, and creating a life that honors your soul. I'm your host, Megan Hale, and together we'll grow in more faith, more love, and doing our holy work in the world. We've always been holy, and we were born to be wild. Permission to be both is granted. Hello, soul seekers, and happy Monday. Welcome back to Wild and Holy Radio. We are fresh back from Colorado enjoying some one-on-one alone time before this second little baby boy arrives. And it was so fun going out to Colorado and getting a little taste of winter, which we definitely don't get here in San Antonio, Texas. And it even snowed one day, which is always kind of magical for a southern girl like me who didn't grow up with a lot of snow. So we had a great trip. And I'm so excited to be home, feeling refreshed and just ready to dive into a whole new week with you guys here in wild and holy land. So I am introducing you to a very special guest today. Her name is Gerds Hendel. She runs a podcast called Get Inspired with Gerds, which I was actually a guest. And I'm going to link to our interview down in the show notes. So Definitely go and check that out. But one of the reasons I wanted to have Gerds on is because she has such a unique religious background. So she grew up Sikh. But she went to Catholic school, and she has taken both of these two very different perspectives and integrated them into her her own authentic spiritual path, which is why I wanted her to come and share her story and how she's done this. I think it's just so fascinating how she's really defined the divine on her own terms. So Gerd Tandell is a British inspirational speaker, transformational life coach, and author. And she guides people to step into their authentic power and design extraordinary lives to make them feel emotional emotionally and spiritually happy. Over the first 20 years of her life, Gerd's endured a series of traumatic events, including childhood trauma, depression, regeneration of her left arm, which we don't really talk about in this episode, but definitely go and listen to her podcast for her her full story because it is so amazing, and where she openly shares how she overcame these traumas to transform her thinking, rewire her mindset, find peace within, and embrace a zest for life. I am so excited to share this conversation with you, so without further ado, here is Gertz. Welcome back to Wild and Holy Radio, everybody. I am so excited for my next guest. Herd Tundal is here with me. And I was actually a guest on her podcast, which is called Get Inspired with Gerds, which was a phenomenal conversation. And I am so excited to flip the script <laughs> and for you
1: to be a guest on Wild and Holy Radio. So welcome. Welcome. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm really excited to be on this side this time. And I, I loved, you know, learning about yourself and like we had that great conversation after. I feel like I've known you for a long time. I know. I
0: know. So one of the reasons that I wanted to have you back is you were so gracious in sharing so much of your personal story after we got off of um, my interview or your interview with me. And I think that's just such a powerful story that I wanted you to come and share it with my audience. So I don't know where it feels best for you to start, um, but I know you've been on a spiritual journey of really finding how does like your religious upbringing and your your spiritual truth kind of all fit together to give yourself that permission to be authentically yourself gosh yeah (laughs) you know minor question
1: (laughs) well you see growing up I I grew up from a Sikh background so my parents are both Sikh so growing up I would go to the temple I'd go listen to the hymns every Sunday I would do like we call sabre which is like a selfless service so what you do is like you would like clean shoes or you'd help in the kitchen or you would just help around the temple so my kind of upbringing was like listening to like hymns and stuff but not really understanding the meaning behind it it was just like you went to the temple you listened to it you had some food you met some people and that was it and mm-hmm. I, I learned kind of like the religious side as well because I used to play the badger which is called in English the harmonium so yeah. I actually being live on stage in front of people as well. So you can imagine this girl with really long hair, quite like in an Indian dress, singing away, but not really understanding that that meaning behind it or the connection with God. It was just like, this is what we did. And so my parents didn't, they didn't raise us to be like super religious. What they did is they taught us to, you know, learn from the religious side take the good things out of it, but also be kind to other people, you know, accept everyone for each other. So like my next-door neighbor Gladys, when I was a kid, she was my third grandma, she was English, and Mm -hmm. we'd go around and like play the piano, we'd make apple pies together. So we were really raised in a way to have that balance. But from a spiritual aspect, I didn't really know myself. Like Mm -hmm. growing up, I probably about, when I hit about 17 or 18, I ended up becoming quite an atheist because Mm -hmm. There's was a situation that happened in my life. There was somebody I was, I was dating at the time and we planned to get married when I was 21. He passed away when I was 19 in a car accident. So my mm-hmm. kind of, the way I saw it was that, how could you do that to me? Like you, how could you t- take him away from me? Like what had I done wrong? All I ever did was help people because in my nation, like my nature, Megan, like I'd grown up always helping people. Like my mom wasn't well Growing up, so I saw a lot of pain and issues myself growing up. So, not only was that upsetting, but then to see that happen to Brav, then I was always helping people in the pharmacy because that was my weekend job, Mm -hmm. and I was always helping friends. So, I was thinking, why would God do that to me? Like, what had I done to God to deserve that? So, Mm -hmm. that led me on like a toxic path where I ended up excessively drinking, going off the rails, you know, partying till like the pain kind of disappeared and acted like nothing ever happened. So, I kind of like Stop doing that thing of going on the Sunday to temple, like you would go to church. And I kind of just basically just didn't care. And like when I did that, it was really bizarre, Megan, like my life spiraled even more out of control. So sure. And, you know, I'd end up in these toxic patterns, relationships, lack of self-worth, not knowing who I am and always thinking maybe I should go to God or higher power, whatever you want to call it but I still ignored it and it was only until I hit 25 when I got to the lowest point in my life where I had a cancer scare and I was sat there alone thinking Mm -hmm. (laughs) like and I wasn't a person that used to like take help I'm still learning (laughs) I I think a lot of us are (laughs) (laughs) and like I got got better now at it Um, but back then I didn't let anyone come to the hospital with me I was like no girls can do this I'm fine it's kind of like an alpha female Mm -hmm. and then when I I got the results and it was negative, like a weight released off my shoulder. And mm. I remember going to the temple the next day, like after I called a few friends and did like those forgiveness kind of things. And I sat there with God and I, I went there when there was nobody there. So when I was growing up, I used to always go there with everybody. So you've ended up listening to culture right, rather than religion. And then you're listening to the priests, but that's the priest's interpretation of the religion. So you never really have that connection with God or higher power. It's always through other people and yeah. what you're supposed to do. Yes. Um, so I went there and I sat there and I just remember thinking, this feels a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where do I start? So then I sat there and I just started talking to God. I'd never done that before. So I just started talking to God and like, hey, what's happening? Kind of just like yes. having a chat with a friend. Yeah. sounds <laughs> really weird. But yeah, I just sat there and I was just like, so what's happening? And there was nobody around. Um, and I just was like, okay, I know that, you know, you are real. I just, obviously I've never seen you, but I know that you're there and I'm like, sorry for what I did and like, forgive me and forgive everything that I've been doing. I, I'm trying to find myself. And I just started going every week there, just having a chat. Minding my business, and like you know, sometimes cry, and like things would come up. And then I, kept, I started to like read the book a bit here and there, and then I read into the interpretation So the interpretations I thought as a kid were completely different when I started reading. Mm. It's all about love, acceptance, equality, selfless service, helping others. But when you go to the temple, it's not always reflected in that manner. And then I started to go to some services, like on the Sunday, and I would listen to the hymns and like. Oh, I just feel so peaceful. I'd walk in peaceful out and would feel calm. And then I just started to just have that connection with God. Like I'm not religious, religious, like at all, like I'm more spiritual, but in my spiritual practice, I will do certain things from the upbringing that I had and place it with my spirituality and bring that balance. Like that balance. But also I did grow up in a Catholic school. So I've learned the hymns. Wait, hold on, them. hold on. Let me back
0: up for a second. Okay, so you you raise, you were raised by your parents in the Sikh tradition, in the Sikh religion, mm-hmm. but you grew up in Catholic school. So what was that like? Because that's I mean, I would imagine that's very different um, ideologies
1: to some extent. It was confusing because not only was I confused about being British and being Indian, I had this like lost identity from a young age because mom and, like my mum and dad raised us to be equal. equal. I never knew the colour of my own skin until I was about six years old and someone kind of said to me, what's wrong with you? And I was like, oh, I didn't, because I didn't, my parents didn't raise us to go, you're brown, you're this, you're that. It was like, yeah. we are all equal, we are all one. So Going to the Catholic schools I didn't really understand it again it was just like oh this is what we have to do this is you know you had no choice and if you didn't sing they would they would make you sit at the front and watch you um, <laughs> So I used to do in a goldfish mouse I'd be like no 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 they'd always catch me so I'd have to sit at the front and then like I'd sing the hymns but I still didn't really have that connection with it it oh, was just trying know. to understand it more than a thing and it's like oh this is a different way of praying but you know we had religious like lessons and it was quite interesting in religious classes when the teacher would tell everybody about Sikhism and it would be wrong and I'd be like no this is how it's supposed to be so can you imagine like an eight-year-old like <laughs> questioning your yeah. teacher I'm just like no you don't know what you're talking about I'm, I'm like miss I'm Sikh this is wrong this is Hinduism not Sikhism <laughs> oh so, my
0: goodness
1: yeah so there'd be stuff that they would get wrong and so I'd be like trying to explain it um and then it was also it was quite interesting because I got to see a different aspects of God or you yeah. then to to call it higher power so it was always seeing religions as equal like growing up I went to a temple Hindu temple and I went to a mosque when I was in India I went to like a Judaism place like when I was really young you know through friends and stuff and then I recently went to something that was oh I forgot what it's called now my bad it's, a diff- it's like a Serni, something called something else, but it's a different religion within Hinduism. Okay. And so I'd always had that respect. So I'd always go there and share my respect. And when I went through my transformation at 25, I, just before that, I near my old workplace, I used to go, there was a church there because there was no temples around. I just, I just go in there and I'll sit there and just be like, okay, do I have a connection here? <laughs> yeah. And I would talk again, but it was a different feeling. It wasn't the same feeling that I had when I went to the temple, but it was still like somebody was listening. I didn't know who it was that somebody was listening. And so, like, even after when I had my transformation, I'd go to, go to the old kind of, like, churches that I went to when I was a kid for, like, Easter when we used to sing there for Christmas. And I went with one of my old, like, best childhood best friends, and we sat there. And it, it was really nice because it brought, back like, all the memories. And I was like, do you remember doing this and doing that? And then somebody came over with a pamphlet. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> I do not want to be – do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, yes. it was like, I just want to be in the present moment, enjoy – What's happening, and you know, it, and, that, and that's fine. Like you know, that, that's up to them to share that. But it just made me laugh because it's like that's one of the beliefs that I don't have is that you shouldn't force somebody to go into something. Um, and so, whenever somebody would turn up on the on the doorstep, you know, to have witness or somebody, I would just be like, "Thank you." And how we were raised again was not to chuck things in the bin. It was to put them with all the other religious stuff that needed to go away and burn them. Mm. So that's how my dad kind of raised us to be respectful of all. My dad would stand there and listen to Jehovah's Witnesses for half an hour, but wouldn't say no. So we'd always been mindful. But yeah, from a going to a Christian school, it was confusing at times because then obviously we didn't have the holidays for when Sikh holidays would happen. Mm -hmm. Take them off, and then people would question it. And it's like, well, that's what I grew up with. So how did? I mean, I think this is so fascinating
0: because I think you have a very unique perspective growing up, almost in two different religions. Mm-hmm. and how, how would you say that, I mean, was there conflicting messages around who God was, or more importantly, who you needed to be in order to be good with
1: God? It wasn't that anybody forced anything, it was more like, this is the way, and that's it, so, like, even in school, like, I used to take part, like, participate in the nativity play, mm-hmm. so, like, you just did it, but there was no, like, I don't think, I guess I ever questioned it to the teachers, but I used to always think, hmm, but why do I have to do that? And then even the, when I used to be in the temple, I'd be like, why do I have to do that? Like in the book, it says something else, but then like, I didn't like the, the bitching aspects in the temple. For example, when the elder ladies were talking about chat about other people, I found that really rude and disrespectful. I'm like, but that's not religion, that's culture. And so mm-hmm. then I'm being told that, you know, you need to be mingling with that. But I'm like, no, but I'm an honest person. I like honest people. I, I can't play these games. <laughs> right. And then in school, it was like, I think we all, like a lot of us in school, we didn't really know what we were singing. It was just because of these are spiritual prayers. This is what the school says to do. And that's what we do. But we never really sat and said, why do we have to do that? Mm -hmm. What's the message? But, you know, as I'd used to watch the priest and he'd come over with things and I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. So is that his connection to higher power? Yeah. I used to have those thoughts, but I never really said anything to them.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think like, that's one of the places where I am now is looking back through like where I am now with the life experiences and the understanding of God that I have now and reading like sacred texts or reading hymns. And they have a totally different meaning to, to me now than Mm -hmm. they did then. And it's like, well, is this just life experience? Is this like just maturity or were these things explained in a different way when I was younger, you know? I think as well it's more that
1: we didn't know that we were allowed to think differently mm-hmm. so we've just kind of followed the rules so this is how it's done and that's it but we never really questioned it enough to ask other people about it like why is this and I did to be honest I did question a few things here and there but didn't really get the valid answers because they didn't know themselves mm-hmm. and what I've realized now is that like there's a few people that I listen to there's a lady called Sanatnam Kaur and I love her I don't think you have heard of her but she's just got this beautiful, angelic you know, voice. And she, she is an English lady who has gone into Sikhism, but her interpretation of it is completely different to somebody who's born into it. I find that oh, really? if you're not born in, if you're born into that religion, you don't really learn the way it's supposed to be because you end up, the cultural aspects or what so-and-so says. So you never really focus on that religion itself. It's always about other people's like afflictions and saying how it should be. But when you're when you go into it, it's like a fresh perspective. So you're willing to learn, you're willing to find out everything about it. And with her, I just find that her voice is just so beautiful. And the way she explains things through her music, it's, it doesn't even matter what background she's from. It's just so beautiful.
0: Mm, so good. So at 25, well, actually before 25, so you <laughs> had your, your fiance die at 21, yes. which mm-hmm. set off like a whole chain of events of just feeling like this disconnect with God, almost an anger, yeah. a bet- feeling betrayed or abandoned, or even like, you know, curse, like, why did this happen to me? Mm. And there was no connection with God. But then you kind of re, you started reconnecting with this relationship through more of a spiritual lens, even though it was in like a religious setting, but it was more <laughs> yeah. through like a spiritual practice than the religious practices. Right. Mm. And so now where you are today, all these years later is has there been more of a um, bringing in of some of the old religious customs that might have a new meaning for you now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, like I was saying before that, you know, in the morning, I'll do my spiritual practice, but I'll have elements of the seekers of like little things I'll do. Like even in the shower, I'll, I'll think certain things. And then when I'm doing my, I'm sat in my meditative state, I'll do this one little prayer that I, I used to love as a kid and it just grounds me. And then I'll go into my meditation. Mm-hmm. So I balance them together and, you know, like stuff like, you know, Diwali, Diwali like about bringing the light. So I love stuff like that. And then the reason behind the religion is about self-service, helping others, doing good. So bringing that into my work and it doesn't have to be like really heavy. It's just like the little things and respecting that and, mm-hmm. you know, using what I've learned as a child and to help others because mm-hmm. that's what it's all about.
0: Yeah. Was there ever a point like where there, you needed to give yourself permission to you, like, bring in and integrate these things in a way that felt good to you versus how you were originally taught?
1: Yeah. So when I had the transformation, I did start reading the book like every day and then it didn't resonate with my soul doing that. It felt weird because I'd never done that even as a kid Like yeah. I here and there. And my mom, my mom does it like every day. Like that's her practice and she loves it and she gets it. But for me, I didn't, didn't really flow with me. So I just kind of like Start for about a week I read it and then I was like I can't do this anymore so then I went back to my old basic thing of where I, 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 I say my meditation stuff but I would I started doing it in the shower instead of doing it when I used to walk out the door mm-hmm. so I just started to switch things up a little bit and um, and then just other little things going to the temple not caring what other people think ignoring all that catty or what kind of probably the best way of putting ignoring what other people think. I'm mm-hmm. just focusing on myself and the connection with higher power. I think as a child, we're so focused about all the other energies around us that we don't really have that connection with the higher power because no one's taught us that. And to be honest, we don't even know our own connection because we've never really sat there as a child. We're like, hey, what's up? Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> and so that's true. it changed everything. And so it it, it allowed me to, to balance everything that I've got already and bring in a different element on top of it but also still have who I was before in a, mm-hmm. like you said, in a spiritual way, which works for me. And it's not how it should be.
0: Yes. So within the like Sikh tradition, are there like rigid practices? Is it, is there like a conservative school of camp and more liberal school of camp? Like how does it, what's your experience of that?
1: Well, to be honest, like I'm not a baptized Sikh. So a true baptized Sikh would not cut the hair. Would not even like remove any hair, they'd be a vegetarian, wouldn't drink, and they do the prayers every day. Um, and they would help out a lot. So, I kind of do a few of them, but I can't help doing what I'm doing. <laughs> my hair, like, I did have the long hair, when I was younger, and it used to wind me up. Like, I used to sit on my cat it was awful. Like, but for some people, it works. For me, like, I find that it's having that connection with God. So, within Sikhism, it's, it's about doing good. And helping others it's all about being selfless and but you see what i didn't realize as a kid because nobody explained it properly that when you're helping others doesn't mean you allow them to take advantage of you so i used to give 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 but never have a limit on my giving Mm -hmm. And so you know but but religion says you know i should i should help others but when do you get to that point where you cut that yeah you have that me time i didn't understand that until i was like 25 and mm-hmm. I realized I need to have self-love and where, I, where I can help others, but where's my limit? Right. When yeah. I top up. And so, like, how good can we really
0: serve if we aren't taking care of ourselves?
1: Right. Absolutely. So that was something I had to learn kind of like the hard way. Um, and then just like, also it's about, you know, um, like, it's not about like, you know, lack of lust, lack of greed no ego, it's more kind of like, it's a spiritual religion more than anything mm-hmm. else. But it's, it's like, there are the rules. Like, you know, you do the prayers in the morning, you do this and you do that. But I think if you're not that, you know, baptized, then it, it's, you're still Sikh, but it's okay to do what you're doing. If you're not ready, that's absolutely fine. But with some people, what can happen is, is that who are super religious, they will inflict that. So when I was a kid and I started cutting my hair, some elderly people and tell were like, what have you done? Mm. You know, oh you shouldn't have cut your hair you shouldn't have done that and suddenly my business was their business mm-hmm. and then it would be reflected onto my parents and it'd be like it's not of their business so I just learned that I started to see the good things in the religion and realizing it's actually it's nothing to do with the religion itself that's the issue it's the people around telling mm. you how it should be telling you how to behave telling you to do that Um, and I think that's the key within it is to understand that everyone is a good person. Everyone's a good human being. We can all help others out, know your limits, be a good person, cut the ego down <laughs> a little yeah. bit. You've got to have the ego, you know, to get you pushing to go to certain things, but you know, be kind to people. Yeah. And that's it really. Yeah. I
0: mean, it sounds to me like you've really looked at your religion to kind of inform some of the basis of like, how do you be human? Like, how are you supposed to walk through the world? is there anything, um, that informed you like
1: specifically on what it means to be a woman? Well, you see, it's it's interesting you say that because within the Sikh religion, Sikh women are supposed to be these strong warriors. So I grew up being like a warrior in my head, you know, you'd be strong, you know, I was kind of raised like a boy. And within the religion, like there has been women in the past who have like some of the God's mothers, you know, they've been like the warriors within the households and, you know, they, they've, They've helped to create the religion. But what happens is it's a bit bizarre within culture. Women are seen as weak, even though the book says women are equal, uh-huh. but cultural takes over the religion. But within the religion, it does say women are supposed to be strong. They're independent. They can stand on their own two feet. They are who they are. They're the same as, as you know, they're the mothers of the, of the kids. You know, they, they have that strength you know it's all positive things which is interesting but on a daily day like on a day-to-day basis it's never really said and like back in the day if if there was a woman priest it was kind of like you know the church it's kind of like "Mm, that's a bit it's like that weird ground that people don't want to talk about yeah but you see in the olden days it was all there it's like Mm -hmm. somewhere down the line it's it's been misconstrued and we've kind of thought that women are not supposed to be these strong people women are there to be the breadwinners and sorry not breadwinners the men are supposed to be the breadwinners women are supposed to live at home and so somehow we've allowed culture and ignored the religion aspect of being strong being powerful owning your own right That's what
0: I find like so fascinating is because, you know, and this is kind of where I'm diving into like my own religious upbringing of really looking at not only how did it inform me to be human, but how Mm -hmm. did it inform me to be a woman or who was I supposed to be as a a godly woman, you know? Mm -hmm. And the more I talk to people from all different types of religious backgrounds, it's like the same thing has happened somehow that... (laughs) <laughs> the purity of who we are supposed to be as women has become sort of twisted into mm. this subservient type role. And it's like, how did we get here? Like, how did that happen?
1: Cause it's yeah, not just within Christianity, you know? Absolutely. Like even to the point of dressing, he said that women need to wear pink, you know, a baby when it's born and a boy needs to wear blue. You know, back in the day it was mixed. Mm. Who said that, you know, women need to like, wear high heels or wear dresses and behave in this way it's it's Mm man-made it was never in the religions and we get so lost in that that we think that is the right way but then that's where we feel that all the uneasiness of are we connected really with god or higher power are we listening to what society says Mm -hmm. Um, it's that having that balance and realizing actually no if i don't want to wear heels i don't need to wear heels i don't care what people think Mm -hmm. and being in that power like you said and trusting that and you know even within the Sikh religion it's all about you it's about you know people wear like even the women like who take the special prayers they wear a turban it's not about wearing makeup it's about showing your natural features it's not about cutting your help it's being strong in who you are and that's like how my dad raised me to be strong in my personality I don't need to put these clothes on to make myself feel good I can always feel good and it was always about Being that inner warrior and trusting your own gut. And if you ever need to fight, you know when to fight, you know when to be peaceful, you know when to be calm. Mm -hmm. But somehow we allow society to put seeds in that head. (laughs)
0: But I I mean, I love your
1: journey, especially
0: because I mean, what you're mirroring to me is that you've really looked at what was the original intention Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and you've given yourself permission to allow that intention to show up in your own way. You know, of what it means to be a warrior woman, for instance, right? What it means to be selfless, what it means to, to give and to serve in a way that doesn't deplete you. So you, it's almost like this reintegration has happened somewhere along the way. If you've gone back and revisited the religious upbringing through the lens you have now, and you've looked at it, like, how does this fit with me today? How do I practice this? How do I express this in a way
1: that feels good? Yeah, it's all about cutting the layers that no longer serve you as well. The so things that you may have been conditioned to think growing up, because it is a conditioning. Because you're not allowing, you're not being allowed to think freely for yourself. It's like you go there, someone tells you something, and that's it. But you don't really question it at all. So it's going kind of like you said, going back, reassessing everything, and then cutting the little strings around you that no longer serve you and saying, you know what? Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. Well there's
0: also this really big distinction between like there's there's the temple, like the mm. institution of the religion, and then there's God. And and God can exist in the temple. <laughs> but the people in the temple are not necessarily like the representatives of God who are telling you what's right and what's wrong. Like God is yeah. God.
1: Absolutely. And I think a lot of us forget that a religion is a business as well mm-hmm. and it was something that i found hard when i first heard that i was like really but then you think about it they do get money in and there's all the politics and i grew up seeing that politics in the temple and it's um, it's horrible you know I've, I've seen horrific things happen and stuff and you think well how is this linked to our connection with god mm-hmm. and since yeah. when did the egos of two men or women as well which ends mm-hmm. up happening in these conflicted conversations become more important than what we're here for Mm-hmm. and what's our connection and so i think sometimes people get lost in that ideology of this is how it has to be and that how we there is no right or wrong answer because your connection with god will be completely different to how i would have a connection with god we all have different ways the mm-hmm. same with like meditation when people say oh i can't do it or it has to be done this way and, I'm, and i would say no listen to your gut and f- let it flow like i never went to a meditation session mm-hmm. i learned meditation by going to the temple
0: Mm -hmm. being in that
1: meditative state without realizing it and then when i came back when i was 25 i sat there and you know fair enough i couldn't i couldn't ground myself because i'd look out the window see the traffic and like wasn't really connected in myself but i once i put like the earphones in and started that way and then took them out i found my own routine and it's the same with like god or you know religion you've got to find your own routine what works for you and ignore what everyone else says because there is no right or wrong answer that book is there as as a guide Mm-hmm. To help you, but it doesn't mean it has to be exactly like that. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of get, kind of get, like, they, how can I put it? Like they feel like they're really harsh on themselves and they're really guilty if they do something wrong. And so, like, when I worked in the pharmacy, for example, there was different people from different backgrounds working there. And one of the women there was like, Tell me why your God is better than mine. And I was like, What? Yeah, I used to have the weirdest conversations with people a few years ago as well. I'm like, I'm not here to tell you. She goes, Oh, well, clearly your your God's not good enough. I said, No. How about you go read the books? I don't need to tell you and get your own interpretation. Then she started on somebody who was Muslim. It was just awful. And and then even one point where I was working with young people a few years ago, this guy came up to me, started talking to me about religion, and, I, and he goes to me, Why are you? And I said, I'm spiritual. <laughs> <So> <laughs> my dear, this guy's face was in shock. He's like, But you're you're Asian. Why? how can you not be religious? I said, you don't have to be super religious. You just need to be in your flow. But he couldn't get that conversation because all he could see are the testaments in his head and how you need to follow everything. He couldn't uh-huh. think beyond that. And I, and, I, and I did say to him, like, chill. Mm-hmm. You, you can make mistakes. It's okay, we're human beings. You know, that comes first. No, but this says it in this and this. I'm like, yeah, but how long are you allow yourself to feel guilty about it? You know, everyone makes a mistake. Even the people that telling you off you that you've made the mistake, they've made mistakes. so we're all in this together we just have a different connection with god just Mm -hmm. the same with our gifts if we're all the same we'd all be making music or we'd all be like doing things similarly right Mm -hmm. but that's our gift that has been given to us and i think as well i had a bit of a conversation with somebody actually the other week about this that we all have god within us but this person didn't want to accept that because she's like why why would people be doing good and bad like i firmly believe that you choose the parents that you have beforehand to learn something or it's a blessing just to see what you're supposed to, you know, come up with in that, that world. Mm -hmm. Um, but also your connection with God or higher power, it's for you to see how it works, but you've got to, you've got to apply it to help you with your gift, Mm. to help the things that you're supposed to do because that is your, that's what you've been given. If that makes sense. (laughs) No, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm curious, like what, so you go to temple now, here and there like I'll probably go once every three months whenever it feels right Mm -hmm. I don't feel like the need is to rush like I have one of the small books in my house but I do my stuff every day so I don't feel like I physically need to go somewhere in order to to pray or connect because Mm -hmm. for me I can do that like even right now when we're talking I can connect right now Mm -hmm. I don't need to be in that building but when I feel like you know me go there because it's that nice ambience and you know that feeling, and it's you know, it's somewhere different and it's not where I've been all the time. Then I'll go, but I go when it feels right, not when it's been forced upon. Mm. It's when you're young, you're forced to go,
0: yeah. So, and I think that that's like a big piece of like. So there's a difference between being religious versus being spiritual. You can be both religious and spiritual, or you can be neither, right? Absolutely. (laughs) So like giving, like, I think religion kind of informs certain rituals, certain practices that help, that might guide you or connect you with the divine. But -hmm. then there's also all of these other ways that we can connect to, which is more, Mm -hmm. I think, is part of like a self-discovery journey. So when you were starting to awaken spiritually, like
1: how did how was that side of you being fed? Gosh, I'm thrown in at the deep end. (laughs) (laughs) Like meditation, do your yoga, and then I had the radio show um, on UK Health Radio at that time, and. Uh, one of my colleagues I asked her to join me and so we were like interview people on EFT um, loads of different healing therapies we did like live reflexology on the show so I was learning about all these healing modalities i would never been around like oh. the gong bath I went to a gong bath oh, and it was so like good. wow yeah and so it, I threw myself in the deep end, still having that kind of a little bit of religious side but like you know what let me try these healing therapies let me see if it works and then slowly, I realized, actually, these things I don't like, these things I will do. So I apply the ones that I love with a bit of religion. So it's like a hint of religion, but it's still connected to spirituality. I love it. Because you've got to go there and, like, try new things. Like, if you don't try new things, you don't know what it's about. Right. And I think that
0: that's, like, one of the biggest pieces. Because um, I think growing up in the Christian faith is that you're told that these things are good and okay and allowed and everything else is like blasphemy. (laughs) And so when you actually go and start, which is funny because most of the people that call these things blasphemy have never gone and experienced them firsthand. They just have these preconceived assumptions that something is bad. And so they won't allow themselves to experience it. So I think it's really a powerful thing when we give ourselves permission of like, let me just go see what this is about. And let me make up my own mind, my own opinion about it versus (laughs) listening to what somebody else's perspective is, you know?
1: Absolutely. Like even when I started, you know, going to crystals and I actually didn't even know what crystals were. I was at an event like, I think about two years ago, two or three years ago, and I had done a speech and I went past this crystal shop and I was like, Ooh. What are these things and i, and I picked them up I'm like they're really pretty yeah and then i said to the guy what's this and then he said oh this is you know for manifestation this is for inner love and i was like mm, i'll have that one i have that one but i didn't know what they were and i didn't know how to use them at the time and then i ended up into being introduced into it interviewing people and then also just like emails would come up like newsletters from people and i'm like oh that makes sense and then when i went into it i was like wow do you know what This is, it's natural. It's not a religious thing, which a lot of people do think that when they see these things, they think, oh, people have gone a bit, (laughs) (laughs) woohoo. Do you know what I mean? Or they've turned into a unicorn or something. (laughs) But they they don't realize it's not a religious thing. It's it's a spiritual thing. Right. And so like, even now I've got like, I've got a crystal right here with me. Like I love wearing it and I've got crystals around me at the and I find that they they ground me and, you know, I use them with my clients as well. And one of um, well, my partner's actually, my bless her. She's like they're religious um, and they're Catholic. And it was interesting when I first introduced Crystal. They kind of questioned it. it. Was like, oh, but is this a religion? I'm like, no, it's spirituality. And then when I showed it, and then they got a she got a newsletter from I think it was like Energy News or something. and She's like, oh, this is interesting. And then I got her this book um, for a birthday, and like now she loves it. And they'll we'll use them or like wherever they're sage, they'll use it whenever they need it. I think it's just having those conversations with people and saying, Hey, it's not a religious thing. Just give it a go. If it mm-hmm. works for you, great. If it doesn't, that's fine. And I have friends who, who don't like gong baths They've been there and they find it really heavy mm-hmm. or it doesn't resonate with them. And at least they've tried. I think that's the yeah. key is trying things and applying it. What you've got with the religious aspect, whether you are religious or not, but applying it with the, your other beliefs mm-hmm combining it because it allows you to bring like a more balanced approach to your life and not feel like "Mm, what's that weird thing because I was like that before I was I was a journalist my dear and you know investigative journalism was my background so I used to question everything when somebody would give me something new why do you want to help me why do you want to give me that (laughs) yeah so it's allowing yourself to just trust Mm. in the process yeah
0: And I think what's really beautiful is like the more you open up to that and the longer you're on that journey, the more permission and I think like freedom exists for you to like really just continue to grow into a truer version of yourself, you
1: know? Absolutely. Like I feel more connected with myself than ever before. Like Mm -hmm. I know who I am. I know what I stand for. And actually recently turning 30, I'm giving less, more Fs. I'm not going to say the words. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and it's, it's really allowed me to come into my power and I think if I didn't have that and I still you know just had the serious like the beliefs of others about religion and you know I'd be really still confused I'd be lost in my identity still not knowing how but because I've done that journey for the last five years I know who I am I know what things work for me what don't work for me you know I'm now a vegetarian and I can't eat meat anymore like I go past shops now and it feels sick but I spent most like maybe 20 odd years of my life being a meat eater yeah you know, and like same with like I quit, I quit drinking five years ago as well I can't drink anymore like I'll have a sip here and there like just to see what it tastes like and then I'm like oh I don't like it anymore mm-hmm. so it's allowing yourself to try things and if they don't work it's absolutely fine it's it's not a bad thing and I think the biggest thing we have with religion is we feel guilty for not doing things or we feel guilty when someone says something about religion but we never question them and mm-hmm. think oh well, wait a second you're having a go at me about this but how holy are you in doing that Mm. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I think that there's something really powerful
0: about even redefining what holiness means.
1: Yeah, because we all for ho- all of us, holding means something different. Mm-hmm. And again, that's us being a part of higher power or God or the universe, and that's our interpretation. What we're supposed to share to other people. Right. So, my last question for you would be:
0: How much do you think the spiritual journey, the spiritual sense of self, or the sense of spiritual authenticity, if you will, has impacted the way you show up in the world and the unique purpose or impact you're here to make?
1: It's changed my whole life. Yeah. (laughs) I am a different person who I was before. I am a very calm, balanced person. It's helped me to be more grounded. It's helped me to find my purpose because I, I kind of always knew that I was here to help people mm-hmm. with, within, like always helping others, whether it was in the pharmacy, helping friends. I've been doing it since I was eight years old, my dear. It's just natural. Mm-hmm. It's who I am. Mm-hmm. And, and when I went through the transformation, it, it confirmed everything that I am here to help people. I am help help them through the trauma that they've gone through and growing up because I went through a lot of trauma myself. I saw horrific things, I'd gone through horrific things. But I can do it through not only through a spiritual way, I can do it in a way which tailors for them whether that is they need that religious aspect. But showing them in an open-minded way, way and how they can forgive themselves. Because that is the hardest thing, especially with women. Forgiveness and self-love. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And even as an ethnicity lady, like self-love didn't exist as, like for me. Like, I know it's to be honest, it's within all cultures. Like, as women, we don't know self-love because if the generation before didn't teach us it, like our mums or our grandparents, great grandmas, how would how would we know? We have to learn how to build it for ourselves and create that shift. We have to be those generational shift patterners to create those inner love for us. So then the next generation doesn't feel that. So like even for like my kids in the future, we're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Like, at least they will have that spiritual side. Whether they want to go to the temple or they want to go to the church or they want to just be spiritual or not follow anything, that's absolutely fine. It's allowing them to grow and find themselves. I think if we were raised, like, all of us like that, that would be so much easier.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. Because I, I think it's, you know, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I was talking about how, um, like, when you grow up believing that there's only one way and that one way doesn't fit with you, you feel like something is inherently wrong with you. Like maybe maybe you're the problem (laughs) instead of questioning. Maybe this one way is not really the full answer here. So I think, and I love the work that Dr. Like Shefali is doing on like conscious parenting of really um, helping kids grow up to be their authentic selves and really creating an environment for them to just explore and experience lots of different things for them to find what feels good because i think we're all born with that sense of knowing in us of what's what's our path what's our way of connecting what's our unique purpose here mm. and if we have this blueprint in our mind of like well you can only find these things this way but that way doesn't work you're going to feel really blocked and stumped or you know it's going to limit you absolutely versus like what you're experience like what you're talking
1: about yeah absolutely like like i grew up like almost living two lives because I had to feed people, please, the religion aspect or the cultural aspect, and then try to be myself. I was having a battle with myself, let alone anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas now I'm, I own my truth. I don't care if, you know, I walk out in hot pants. I don't care if I look this way. I don't care. That's who I am. Mm-hmm. Blanket or lump it. That's just who I am. And this is who I will stand for. But also I think as well that we need to just be honest in ourselves. And if something doesn't feel right, let it go it doesn't it's it's okay I think it's the it's, it's it's fine like if something doesn't feel like let it go move forward don't feel guilty and I think all of us suffer from that guilt guilty kind of like you said yeah trying to follow something and not trusting it and then thinking who am I just allow yourself to to flow like to be honest like if my parents knew like they don't even understand the crystals but if they did they'd think what the hell <laughs> that's their interpretation right and my mom kind of gets it and she's seen me use it before and like I've tried to help her with like one aspect but it's like that's that's okay because that's their journey I'm on my journey like we're all on our different journeys and it's okay if it doesn't fit with the ideologies that we were raised with because if we were all the same life would be so boring yeah so trust that guide that you're given like even when I was a kid my dear I used to hear voices in my head right
0: mm-hmm. now if
1: I went and said that to the doctors they would say something's <laughs> wrong with me Here's <laughs> some you know or chuck me into like a place or something but that was my connection with the higher power mm-hmm. so even now I will be speaking to a client or like we've probably had this conversation I the stuff I've said that it's not me it's something serving through me sure. and like even when I've done speeches on stage it's when the high power comes in that's it <laughs> yeah like that's, that's, I know that voice is a guide, but when I was a kid, it was like, oh my I don't say anything. Oh, they, you know, they might think I'm a bit weird or something's not right with me or maybe they'll give me something. Yeah. It's trusting in that voice, whether you have that voice or, you know, like clairvoyance, loads of other things and letting that be your guide and allowing it to flow and nurture it and, you know, trust in it and just be that person you're supposed to be that you were always here to be.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of that piece is like knowing that it's safe, mm-hmm. knowing that it's safe to to experience what you're experiencing and explore what you feel called to explore. And I think giving that element of safety is what allows us to, to trust in it more fully, you know. Oh, I'm so grateful for you, Gerds. Thank you so much for being a guest today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank
1: you. I love this conversation. I could talk to you
0: fast. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's so intriguing to me. I love it. So everyone, um, all of GERD's information will be down below in the show notes. I'll also link to um, our podcast episode on Get Inspired with GERDs down below so you can go and tune into that. And we will see you again soon on another episode of Wild and Holy Radio.